everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Mahogany and Friends. In today's episode, we will discuss two things I love, fashion and business entrepreneurship. But more importantly, we will take a deeper look into the nuances within fashion sustainability and the importance on why Black women need to be more visible in these conversations. So with that said, let's talk. Our next guests are a dynamic duo who set out to bridge the gaps between the sustainability movement while fostering relationships within communities through education and events. They went on to found their business, Sustainable Brooklyn, with a commitment to fashionably fostering the evolution of sustainability to create a more inclusive future for us all. So on that note, please join me in welcoming Whitney and Dominique. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you ladies? I know I asked you that question before we were recording, but just again, how are you feeling in these, you know, unrestful times? I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay. Um, grieving, you know, the loss, loss of a couple of relatives due to COVID. Um, sorry and that. just trying to adjust to this new climate, but feeling uh, capable and a lot of fire in my gut and intention in my third eye. So ready to, you know, embark upon this new era successfully. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to echo that exact same sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and, and, and we want to send our condolences to you, Whitney, um, for sure. Um, and that just goes to emphasize, you know, I really appreciate your time and energy today. So um, I think us, me, myself and the audience really appreciate you for coming on today. Um, so I, I would love to get into just a little bit about introducing yourselves for those who don't know. Um, who are you and like what, it, what work do you do within this field of sustainability? fashion. Mm, I'm gonna let Wit go first. Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> always I'm gonna let you go first. <laughs> no, 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 I can go first. You want me to go first? Okay. Yeah. So, um, who am I? What do I do? What is that? What is that question? What is it? Um, right. It feels so, like a loaded question. It's always a loaded question. Um, so my, I guess the, the heartbeat of my background is in youth development. Um, I was a youth leader in East Oakland for about six years, primarily working with black kids who were, you know, systemically dispositioned uh, throughout the Bay Area. I did outdoor education through backpacking programming, really just working to expose black and brown kids to nature and tranquility and sort of what the outdoor can bring them, especially with regards to just healing and curiosity. Um, <laughs> I, a part of my background is also in grant reviewing um, and grant writing for nonprofits that are targeted for people of color to further interact with the environment. Um, but aside from that very, you know, almost linear conversations of what you do, I think the most prolific aspect of my background is like being a backpacker, a chess player, a soccer coach, a swim coach, a horseback rider, like all of the non-traditional things that Black people actually excel at, right. but are under the radar and have always been positioned as white. And I think that's where sustainability or my legacy of sustainability aligns as well. Like doing things that really align with the creative expressions of blackness, but are commodified and positioned otherwise. 
Um, and then I have like, you know, formal education. I have a BA in business environmental management and a master's in sustainable entrepreneurship and fashion. And just, I was thinking about education and sort of the trajectory of educational institutions, especially with regards to family dynamic. Um, and as fucked up as I think the educational system is, mm-hmm. I realized that it, it has provided me incredible insight into that system, which allows me to speak and understand sustainability in a very layered way. Right. Um, and so my work and I guess my, my connection to sustainability is just this mosaic of, of life experiences as a Black woman. Ooh, mic drop. Right. <laughs> I'm like still breathing from running down. No pressure, Whitney. <laughs> no, Winnie killed it. She's poetic. She's poetic with her shit. Oh no, yeah. I mean, you guys are a union, so I, I completely, I get it. I get it. But that's <laughs> you. You're doing a lot of amazing things, and I hope that we can do a little deep dive into that work. Um, but Whitney. Um. Hi, I'm Whitney. I um. Where do I start? So I'm from originally for the first 13 years of my life, uh, Dayton, Ohio, um, born to working class parents. Um, my mother was an artist, is an artist, um, and an educator. So, um, and I was raised primarily by her. So uh, my interest in arts, especially protecting the intellectual property of black women's art was, those seeds were planted very early. Um, I went to, at 12, I decided that I wanted to leave Dayton independently of anyone else who's done it in my family. And um, I wanted to apply to boarding schools. I ended up getting um, a full scholarship to a boarding school in Newport, Rhode Island, um, Mm -hmm. and actually went. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it also like opened my eyes up to how white people live because I grew up in, my, my town was largely like 96% black when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so through this experience, um, you know, I was opened up to, to different ways of living, different activities, different things that, you know, white folks have been doing for a long time right. <laughs> when it comes to the outdoors, when it comes to the environment, um, when it comes to discussions of sustainability. Um, but I still never felt like it was um, something that I could necessarily um, participate in. Um, I got to college, you know, I've always been, <laughs> so I got to college, <laughs> further expressed my uh, activism through heading a lot of activist groups in college and doing sit-ins and making, you know, making, uh, agitating uh, for our, our university in, in DC at the time, um, over a number of racial, racist incidents, um, that were really impacting all of us as black students. Um, after then I was burnt out and, uh, Mm -hmm. worked at a, uh, as a paralegal for a couple of years in DC, hated it. So I was doing things on the side. Again, grant, I was also grant writing for, um, nonprofits, uh, uh, for children with disabilities and um, ended up applying to law school, really still not sure about what I wanted to do, but knowing that I needed some type of a financial um, cushion. Um, And so I went to law school, majored in fashion law, um, 
created my own curriculum, um, joined with a group of four black women at Howard University School of Law at the time, my first year of law school, and we started, or we continued Fashion Law Week, which was started by um, those students at Howard University School of Law. Um, Fashion Law Week was the first of its kind to um, introduce these concepts that were starting to start a bubble, you know, in the fashion industry um, on, on, and on the legal side, it was the first to introduce these concepts to the public and um, to the community and for a week every year. Um, we ran that successfully without any funding <laughs> as, as students uh, for, thank you, for four years, but that was how I got my um, start in that in sustainability within fashion, um, focusing on really the labor issues um, that were part of this conversation. Um, we'll get more into to that later, but. Um, I just honestly have to, you know, acknowledge that you two both, um, both of your journeys from what I'm hearing, it's just been really, really fruitful for me to just hear um just because you know i'm someone who also was a was very involved in like youth development i was one of those students i a mentee at one time turned to mentor mm -hmm. and um i wouldn't be here today i wouldn't be in this position right now almost brings tears to my eyes because we need more women like you both out there and we and not that they're not there right like we need more visibility exactly. and i think um and um Dom, you mentioned that a little bit too you know like it's very whitewashed this very white gaze and um again you both touched on youth right so adolescents like whitney you started that work you you knew already at the age of 12 what you wanted yeah. out of life and like you know i'm a girl black girl who grew up in suburbia i'm a black girl who grew up right here in the hood of new york city so i had you know definitely the dual you know reality of both and um when we talk about sustainable fashion those two definitely are nuanced right and so i'm curious to hear how did you two meet and how did you um how was you know sustainable brooklyn found um and born i'm curious because you both have very very similar journeys um and i'm just interested um, to hear more about that well so so continuing on on sort of like my background this leads up to how we met i i started um i was clerking for a federal judge in in las vegas at the time and um you know focused strictly on the criminal justice system was like it was fucking with my mind and so i was like i need to get back into what I was doing before I left New York. And so I started um, hosting sustainable fashion workshops in mm -hmm. Vegas for students, for designers, for the general public. Um, and I, when I moved back to Brooklyn, uh, I was, you know, I think I was on maternity leave, self-imposed maternity leave. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> I, I had posted a photo of one of those workshops on, on Instagram. And mm -hmm. a couple of people were in my comments like, do you know Dominique Drakeford? Like, you need to meet Dominique. And so <laughs> these were two people that I really like, they're our friends. And so I reached out to Dom. We hopped on the call. Um, we were like finishing each other's sentences. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, um, and then we met up in person. We realized we lived literally like 10 literally. feet away from each other. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> we met 
met up at the coffee shop and, you know, we started just writing out what our frustration, we really started writing out our vision really for what we wanted to see in, in the world. I'm thinking about, you know, I just gave birth to a black child in this environment. Um, what is my legacy going to be? You know, when he grows up, he's going to say, oh, my mom did this, this, and this when the world was burning. So I, you know, that, that's where I'm coming from with sustainable and you know we're both meeting at the intersection of frustration of, of really seeing how you know that journey of that experience of being a descendant of enslaved Africans throughout America throughout the diaspora is like like a gaping hole in the conversations about sustainability within fashion mm -hmm. um, and and really but but like why because the impacts of, of unsustainable systems as we see impact us first and most. So we, you know, we decided to create Sustainable Brooklyn as a response to that void um, and to really reestablish and reaffirm that we are the originators of this concept of sustainability that is being appropriated, repackaged, and resold to us as a commodity that we need to buy into in order to quote unquote be sustainable. It's a fucking lie. And so that's how, you know, that was just our, you know, as soon as we met, we just organically collaborated with the, you know, on this foundation of like, let's change this shit for real because it really is becoming a matter of life or death. It may seem frivolous to, you know, it's fashion, but it's not, you know, fashion right. is deeply political for black people. Right. Especially when we're talking about respectability politics. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would also add to um, ending off in my intro story to uh, connecting with Whitney, I created a blog called Melanin Ass, um, which is, oh, yeah, which amplifies, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, I, that. I don't know how I missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, which, which definitely amplifies the, the black and brown voices throughout fashion, sustainable fashion, natural beauty, Mm -hmm. um land sovereignty wellness all of that and like Wit said it was this utter frustration but I also want to add it was this beautiful manifestation of love like speaking mm -hmm. to other black people specifically who because I was just inundated in the mainstream space like I attended right. everything and going off on my own and speaking to Black people and realizing how revolutionary our identity politics are tied into sustainable fashion, how inherent our, our, you know, our love for sustainability, but just how it's so deeply connected to our DNA, like that joy from speaking to Black and Brown people. Yeah. But I mean, real talk, Black people specifically, was like, okay, I'm frustrated as fuck, but also y'all are liberating as hell and y'all yes. been doing this stuff for so long and that needs to be at the forefront of the conversation. Like sustainability has been our armor and heartbeat, but it's also been, we've been targeted by it at the same right. time. Right. And so being able to connect in that way to extract sort of the joy and love and, and inherent sustainability has been just as important as dismantling the fuckery um, yeah. in the system. 
No, I agree completely. I even think about the notion, like I grew up with my mom saying, you know, she always made rags into riches, right? Like that to me, speak across wellness, food, you know, life, lifestyle, fashion, you know, you name it. And we, it was, you know, out of necessity, right? But I think when we're talking about sustainability, we're often being, again, left out of that conversation. And I feel like that's a, it's also this demonizing of like corporate America, you know, targeting low income communities yeah. specifically too, um, which makes me want to um, segue into the, co- the conversation around um, what, what your thoughts are on like corporate entities that, you know, act like they're sustainable and, and they attract, you know, us as consumers to their businesses. What are your thoughts on like just the term itself around, you know, corporate entities and, and thinking about environmentalism? Like what are, what are your takes on it? You mean like greenwashing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I think that, <laughs> All right. so, loaded question. We, yeah, it's a load of questions. <laughs> when we discuss, you know, corporations, we're also discussing really capitalism. Right. And, right. um, I think the question is, can a corporate entity be sustainable while while being invested in this model of capitalism as we know it today mm-hmm. and still actually benefit its um, uh, customer base, um, shareholders, et cetera, et cetera. I, 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 I don't think the two go hand in hand mm-hmm. um, because the the uh, idea of sustainability is really ever evolving. Um, so it's really difficult for a corporation at this point, just as like, just like it's difficult for an individual to say that they are completely sustainable. Um, yeah, it's no such thing. <laughs> right. There's no such thing. I think we're seeing, you know, for us, what sustainability really means is, you know, also like, are you, are you considering our safety? Are you, providing support for black and brown people, whether they're in your corporate culture or if they're your consumers um, or they're in the community in which your headquarters is located. Um, I think we're seeing in this new, in this new climate, social climate, that a lot of these companies have fallen short, completely short of really incorporating this idea. And this is what sustainability is for us. Um, so, in an effort to, you know, in an effort to make, to make their, um, their sort of like cause related marketing, Mm -hmm. um, more, um, I would say authentic and genuine. Um, we've seen the opposite happen with the greenwashing, you know, with like this, like overreaching of these terms to, for other people to just like continue to, to purchase their product without any any care with where the product is going at the end of its life cycle, um, without any care about how the consumers are being impacted by the product. Um, and so we're seeing the same thing with the, with the value washing, I would say, of, of these co- corporate cultures. Um, you know, they wanted, to, they want to be ahead of, of, the movement for black lives and, you know, show that they are, you know, (laughs) on board and, you know, um, and we're seeing how, you know, just they're falling like flies, like, like, because they're, 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 um, 
you know, taking this stance that is really without a foundation and it's without a foundation because they have not invested in the, these black and brown communities. Oh no, they have a foundation. Their foundation is just exploitive and corrupt as fuck. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's it's not a fertile foundation. It's a foundation yeah. for to for continued exploitation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so, it's interesting because when I'm thinking about you know we're talking about corporations, I think about even like Salvation Army, something or you know Goodwill, something like that that was you know ha- supposed to be accessible to people for you know affordable clothing, those that needed it. Right now we're seeing this kind of culture of subculture of like resale culture within fashion. And, and I'm seeing a couple brands out there that do that, um, where, you know, specifically white brands that are, you know, buying and reselling you know, um, thrifted items and then marking up the price three times what they actually paid for. I'm curious, right. you know, we're talking about, you know, corporate America, but also like entrepreneurship. Where is the fine line between what, like, what are the do's and don'ts of that, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm someone who's been trying to dissect that myself of like, am I doing a disservice or am I actually, you know, participating in that exploitation? Um, So I, you know, I'm just, it's hard because we're talking more about like, you know, retail franchises, but you know, where is that fine line within the sustainable fashion conversation of like, what is sustainable and what is not? Um, So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a touchy thing. And I don't even think it's a line. I think it's a spectrum. Yeah. And, um, you know, it really goes back to where the foundation is, what the foundation of the company is, what the foundation of their intent is to even exist as a, as a corporate entity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, circularity and, and we, and Dom and I talk about this a lot, you know, regenerative futures and circularity mm-hmm. um, within corporate cultures, within our communities. Um, it really all goes back to whether they have an intent to provide more than they, well, not more than they profit, but at least like um, a proportionate amount to, you know, the, to their, to the people that they serve. Right. Um, the communities that they, they inhabit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that you say that. I was having a conversa- conversation with a friend who, you know, we were talking about corporate activism. Like, what does that even mean, right? And I, I used, I had used the example of like McDonald's, you know, being in every corner of like the Bronx. That's where I live. And, and you know, hearing them like have these stupid ads that are like, we're, we're standing together. We're here to serve you. And I'm like, no, you're actually like that's a crock of shit you know like how are you actually helping the people in your community if you're going to be in these spaces and occupy you know spaces in our communities how are you really going to service outside of what you what you do like we know you know that's more talking around food but the same could be said about fashion businesses and you know Brooklyn is like the epicenter for that Mm -hmm. um and so I'm curious to talk more I know you named your business Sustainable Brooklyn why was it important for you to name um, it after the community that you seek to serve (laughs) Um, first of all, I, I think it's important for Whit and I both to share that we're not Brooklyn natives. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because a lot of people assume that we are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to, first of all, pay homage to Brooklyn as a leader of sustainability. Like we're not teaching sustainability to this community. This community has excelled in sustainability and art 
in activism in all of this. They've been a leader in this microcosm of, of regenerative thought and practice. Yeah. So first of all, we want to pay homage to you know the residents and the people who, who've been on this soil for mad long. Yes. Um, but I think it's important because we both have planted roots in Brooklyn. And because we acknowledge the history and the heritage of Brooklyn um, and how it can be a launching pad, or we can help elevate Brooklyn's launching pad to various different artists and audiences mm -hmm. um, globally, essentially. Yeah. And so it was, it was just important to acknowledge the past, present, and future of Brooklyn and use it as a catalyst to continue conversation and, and transform, um, you know, how we see sustainability in that way. Right. Well, yeah, no, I love that. And like you said, it doesn't matter where you are, you know, practice, that practice is, is valuable anywhere you are. So I'm curious to know what, you know, advice would you give to someone who's trying to become more sustainable and in their, and you know, in the area of fashion specifically, but thinking about it more so in terms of like, just everyday life, like how can people do a better job of that? Um, we're both big proponents in always meeting people where they're at, which is something the mainstream space is treacherous at. Mm -hmm. um, and me in particular, I love to, especially when I'm connecting either on an individual level or on a community level is, first of all, we're gonna meet you where you're at. Second of all, it's important to have an assessment because a lot of folks don't, especially black people, don't believe that we're sustainable, don't believe that we didn't come from a lineage of you know, sustainability and feel isolated um, from this movement when we are the godfathers of it. So right. let's, let's assess how you've been sustainable. And from that, let's, let's show you love. Like you've been, You've been putting that shea butter on your skin. You out here straight from the straight from the straight from the from the plants. You feel me? Your great grandma been gardening. You out here? You been keeping them plants under the sink and been reusing them to as hair bags? You out here? And so even just getting to a point where positively sending those affirmations to our community. Mm -hmm. is important and then from there we can gauge next steps um, and find passion points to further excel um, ways in which sustainability makes sense for us right and I mean consumership so is a rocky it's always going to be a rocky thing because we live in a capitalistic democracy and to a certain degree we are we operate you know within that framework right and so trying to find a balance between um, building with community first and foremost and supporting local community always mm -hmm. um, and, and implementing regenerative aspects of capitalism, knowing that every, every corporation, if we're, I know you guys are talking about corporate uh, entities, every corporation is unsustainable, right. Right. period. Like period, there is no corporation that's sustainable. And I think when we go into corporate spaces, understanding that and even having those open conversations, like, you know, you're unsustainable as fuck. Right. So now, what are the steps you're going to take to mitigate 
the negative aspects of your corporate entity within various aspects such as social justice, such as environmental justice, such as um, the, the life cycle of a product, the, the life cycle of a garment, then you start to get into these pillars and conversations. How are you going to mitigate these different areas? But know that it's it's all a spectrum, like Whit said, like it's it's all a spectrum. Um, and I think even the conversation of representation, like <laughs> visual and textual representation is so important because yeah. we know that that involves power relations. Yeah. That involves power relations and that placates especially on black communities. Um, right. Like we all know race determines access. So now, now that you're aware of that, right? How you support a brand, whether it's big or small, um, becomes very nuanced because you can say, I'm gonna support this brand, but I'm gonna, or I can partner with this brand and I'm gonna charge my token tax so that I can put that money back into my community. And that's a form of sustainability, right? Oh, Just as much as I'm not Ooh. gonna support this brand at all, cause fuck you. And that's a form of sustainability. So yeah. it's a spectrum. And, and I think we all have to understand that nobody's rubric for how we interact is spot on. Mm -hmm. it, it has to be a mix and match of high and low, a mix and match of all of these different factors, especially as descendants of slaves. Right. We, how we navigate this shit is, is, it's a spectrum. And so there's no, no such thing as perfection when right. being a, a sustainable quote unquote consumer or investor. Yeah, it goes back to just like your the inquiry, the self inquiry. Like, am I exploiting more than I'm providing? Right. right. And that's yeah. an individual assessment. You know, that's a that's a company specific assessment. Um, mm -hmm. There are a number of factors that play into whether one is exploiting more than they are contributing. Um, but the point is that you know we get to the point where we're mitigating waste in our personal habits in our personal lives but also yeah. in our thoughts in our yeah. words mm -hmm. you know just like being more intentional i know it sounds like la da but it's like really like the more intentional you are the more sustainable you are yeah <laughs> and that's, no, that's what, a, a consciousness that we as a community have to grow with together it's not it's not this individual thing because for me i feel like I've learned from other people and, and watching and seeing and, and understanding, you know, what works for them also might not work for me and, you know, having to have a balance of the two. So um, I think that's why community is so important and you two are doing the work. Now, I would just <laughs> end on, I know you guys do a lot of workshops and events. How can, um, do you have any projects coming up right now and how can people stay connected to you? Um, so you can stay connected to us. You can follow us on Instagram at sustainable BK. Um, and we have all of our links to all of our other things in our bio. Um, we have a current series right now, every Thursday in the month of July with Ethel's club. Um, so if you are interested in seeing, um, the next two events, um, sign up for a free week trial in our bio for Ethel's club. Um, and then we're doing, so we've been doing these, what the fuck is going on series. Um, <laughs> our, our, focus, our focus is agriculture, fashion, and, and wellness or well-being. I love so that. 
Yes. We started with uh, what the fuck is going on with fashion and had an amazing panel discussion, very candid. Um, <laughs> again, we had an issue with like you where it didn't save, so that sucked. But um, then we did what the fuck is going on with agriculture and, you know, over 500 people attended. Many people asked for a part two. Um, so we're working on that. And then at the end of the month, we're doing what the fuck is going on with wellness with Ethel's Club. Um, but that will be open to the public. So you will be able to view that even if you are not a member of uh, Ethel's Club. Um, and then we've got some really exciting partnerships coming in the fall. Um, I, I think I can go ahead and announce that we're partnering with Mokata Museum on some really amazing initiatives. I love yep, it. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. You are amazing. Wow. This is, this I is would good. also say, y'all, don't be, don't follow us in a passive way. Like, it's cool, you know, we have this, you know, our following is growing and that's great, but follow us actively in a sense that we talk about and we amplify and we promote so many other Black women in the sustainability space across the board. So use us as a tool to follow and support other Black women in this space. It's not about sustainability. It's not about us. Like, we literally are a conduit for other folks in our community so that we can really like build this out um, right. into a larger ecosystem. Right. Like I don't want it to position us as it's just us. Like literally we are a oh, network. Sure. And I and and I think that's what sustainable Brooklyn is all about. That, you know, it started with you two, but it doesn't end with you two. And absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, I, I'm so grateful for you guys coming to be on the show with me and just to be open to, you know, speaking to the youth because this is targeted to the Gen Z audience. And so yes, I really appreciate this. Um, I know we've run out of time, so I'm gonna yeah. let you ladies go. But thank you again for you know coming on today. And guys, I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much, Dominic. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Talk <laughs> soon. Bye. Later.